Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. is Wednesday. It is March 24th. We are back with another episode of Destination Different. I've been doing some thinking. been doing some doodling, some note-taking, some ideating. It's never good when I do those things. It never, never ever ends well. Usually means I'm stuck. Means I've, I'm unsatisfied with the work that I'm doing. And it helps me alleviate what's going on in my brain. So I've been doing some thinking that if this show is going to be called Destination Different, if I am going to end every episode with the sign-off of Stay Weird, I can't have a show that I promote and I put out a tweet with a couple bullet points summarizing the show. I can't have a show... That I post an Instagram with a picture of whoever's in the show and I do a little summary of whatever happened. It's boring. It's what every other podcast in the universe does to promote their show. I can't be doing it. You can't have a show called Destination Different and not think about promoting your podcast drastically differently. Differently. Different. You can't do it. You cannot do it. And I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I have no idea what that means or what it means to what it looks like to promote a podcast differently. But I know I got to do it. I know I have to. And so if anyone out there has ideas, suggestions for how to get this podcast into new people's ears, in a way that is unconventional, unorthodox, weird, different from how every other podcast promotes their shows, I would love for you to send me a nice heartfelt note with how I should do that. Because you can't have a podcast called Destination Different and be sending out boring tweets, boring Instagram posts promoting your show. You can't do it. So I've been doing some thinking. I don't have the answers, but... That's my little rant to start off this week is there changes are coming. I need to figure out how to take this show and make every little touch point that comes out of it feel weird and different. And while I'm not necessarily excited about how I've been promoting the show over the last few weeks, I am extremely, extremely excited about the guests and the episode that we have in store here today. So on this week's show, we have Ben Tilton and Joe Chase, who are two of the co-founders of Tilton Brothers Brewing. And I love a little a little two-person interview. I've had a couple of these recently, and it just is great to have a little back and forth, a little banter, some repartee. It just makes the conversation flow a little bit easier. And we have two perfect perspectives of what it takes to start a business. So Ben is the head brewer. He's been home brewing for a decade plus at this point now and is, has taken his talents pro. And then Joe is the finance business savvy guy you know, who, who sort of is operationally running and, and figuring out how to make all of this work. So those two perspectives mashed into one interview have made for an awesome conversation about all of the nuances and all of the inside look at what it takes to run a brewery. At this point, I've been babbling on for too long, so I don't want to spoil any more, but sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation with Ben Tilton and Joe Chase of Tilton Brothers Brewing. I hope you enjoy.
yeah, so I'm kind of the I'm the third partner that's uh, that's not a not a Tilton brother. So I'm just along for the ride in that sense. The, the unofficial family member, I like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's so I'm 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 so curious to ask because I feel like it is some like I I feel like I've probably done it countless times. I feel like anybody who's like sat and drank a few beers at some point is like, you know, it'd be a great idea to start a brewery. To you know, like, and so w- was there that moment of like, you know, we should do this for real, and how long? did it take to take it from, Oh, Ben, I'm, I'm brewing beer in my, you know, in my backyard or whatever it might be to, okay, this is like real deal. We're going to make this like an actual business. Like what was that period like? And was there that sitting at a bar moment of let's make it this real? Yeah. Well, well, not to dive too far back into history, but my, uh, my father's was a, was a home brewer um, and just an avid craft beer fan kind of at the, the cusp of like the craft beer phase in the U S um, so he really introduced us to like the love of beer. Um, and uh, we would do like samplings as a family. And eventually Dave and I decided to start home brewing. So uh, at this point, you know, more than 10 years ago, uh, we started and just we're, we're kind of messing around. We, you know, we, we liked beer. We wanted to learn more about it. So it definitely started as just a hobby. Uh, we weren't really thinking of a business from day one. Um, but yeah, I'd say about three or four years into that home brewing phase, we started to think about oh, it'd be pretty cool if we could, you know, turn this into a, a real operation someday. But, um, you know, it took a long time for us to kind of really uh, solidify anything into what we could consider a real business plan. Um, but we, we did take it at one point and say, let's let's give this a shot. Um, and we, we had been planning to, to kind of make that jump for a while uh, when we actually, you know, met Joe, uh, like he said, through a, through a mutual friend and things kind of fell into place. We had, you know, a little bit of like a missing piece moment um, mm-hmm. with Joe and, you know, having the, the, the know-how and the, the connections and network to, uh, to kind of bring that, that like last missing piece in. Um, so it, it, it wasn't so much a, we're having a beer one day and all of a sudden the, Hey, what if we made a brewery? It's, it was a more of a long-term mm-hmm. kind of organic flow into this. And I think that's kind of carried through um, our business. Uh, you know, we still approach brewing as home brewers. And, uh, you know, with a homebrewing mindset, but, uh, you know, obviously we've grown into a commercial space. So that's kind of the, the long and short. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I wanted to ask more about the commercial space too, because, you know, there's, there's obviously breweries that, you know, maybe do that in reverse where it's, you know, you're making beer for a while out of your backyard and you're shipping it to wholesalers or whatever. And I keep using backyard. I don't even know if that's, you know, where you were first cranking out beers, but <laughs> not, um, not totally far off <laughs> <laughs> the garage, the basement, you know, yeah. the kitchen, wherever you can, wherever you can find space. Yeah. Um, so did you, did you know immediately, like, was that sort of like a, a vision as well as hey, we want to have a space that's our own, that is a, a you know, commercial location? Yeah. I, I think as soon as we had kind of made that decision, like we were going to go for it, um, you know, it, it kind of opens the the floodgates as far as like what you envision, what you would want your business to look like. Um, and, you know, as you know, there's so many breweries out there that have different approaches, different business models, you know, some start big, big investment. Um, and they're trying to, you know, distribute heavily across multiple states. And I think for Dave and I, um, we knew that we were always going to start small and grow organically um, and kind of focus on our brand and focus on our story. Um, so we didn't really picture a, a big operation off the bat. Uh, you know, and quite frankly, it would have been pretty daunting for two homebrewers to, to just step mm-hmm. into a multi-billion dollar, uh, <laughs> operation. So, yeah. um, you know, in talking to Joe, you know, we kind of, you know, we had a plan in place, but it was always going to be small, humble roots, but with a, you know, definitely like a thirst for, uh, for bigger and better things down the road. Yeah. And Joe, like when, when these guys sort of brought you into the fold and obviously they've got the, the beer knowledge and, and you're you know kind of coming in to help with figuring out how can we make this into a, a real business? Um, did you guys, you know, was there a plan to, to take on investment? Was it, you know, how, how did that go from figuring out like, okay, we've, you know, we've, we've probably got a couple of beers that we really like that we want to start with. Like, what was that process like to get into, you know, really launching the business? Yeah. So we, um, so we did raise money from investors. Um, so kind of just like friends and family type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did a, uh, we did an investor day back in 2018, like probably almost exactly three years ago. 
Mm -hmm. um, and shared a few beers, um, kind of like told the story, told people about our plans, um, and and got some got some commitments from investors that we used to um, to launch the business. Um, and then the three of us also invested um, our own personal capital. And um, we looked at um, I don't know, Ben, a couple dozen spaces probably. We, we spent a long time looking at. Um, at places to, um, that were mostly just like blank, um, like empty shelves of spaces. And we were mm -hmm. gonna do a full build out and buy all these tanks and like do equipment loans and like huge, huge investment. Um, even for like not the biggest scale brewery, it's still a ton of money. Um, mm -hmm. And we got pretty far down the road with a couple of places like working with builders and like mapping everything out and like talk, like, you know, discussing lease terms and everything like that. Um, but for one reason or another, it was really tough to make the numbers work. Um, and then we found um, found the spot that we are in today, um, which had been a brewery in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so a lot of the kind of the infrastructure was already set up um, and they had to close down for basically regulatory reasons where you're not allowed to own a brewery and have other alcohol licensing. Mm -hmm. So they had to sell off the brewery part of the business and we were able to... Um, to buy it um, with basically everything in place. It was pretty turnkey. Um, so we um, used some of the, some of the capital from investors to, to do the asset purchase for the tanks and walk-in freezer or walk-in refrigerator and tap lines and kegs and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and then we kind of made the space our own um, by um, giving the, giving the tap room a little bit of a facelift, um, some minor upgrades to some equipment, um, but it definitely shortened the window from when we um, raised capital to when we could actually open our doors to the public um, and reduce the, reduce the cost um, to, to open the doors as well. Got it. And I, I understand you guys, what, two years, almost exactly to, to the day that we're talking right now, but you guys just recently celebrated two years. So congrats. Um, but, you know, what was that like, that sort of opening moment? Like, was there, you know, a big launch party was like, what were, what, what did it take to get to that, that first day? And are there any fond memories of that, you know, finally like opening the doors and welcoming your, your friends and family to the, to the opening of your brewery? Oh yeah. That was an incredible, that was an incredible moment. Um, that was a really awesome day. Just a lot of, a lot of hard work went into that. Um, and then, yeah, so we just, just crossed the two year mark. So basically half the time our, our business has been open. It's been a global pandemic and quarantine and haven't been able to have full capacity in the tap room and all that stuff. But, um, you know, the lights are still on, but yeah, when we, when we first opened, opened our doors, I mean, that was, that was a pretty incredible moment just to ha have all these people in not only friends and family, but just like all these strangers coming in to enjoy our, our product and our business. Um, so that was really cool, but yeah, Ben definitely should add to that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, like Joe said, I mean, we, we were all like hands on deck uh, leading up to opening. I mean, we, uh, as he mentioned, we did most of the, the work that we did in the space was more a, of an aesthetic kind of mm -hmm. brand, brand focused changes into the tap room and stuff. Um, but not to say that that wasn't time consuming. Um, you know, we had a vision for the brand, you know, pretty quick on before we even opened. So uh, we were all, you know, involved. My, my dad, my brother, Joe put up a tile wall that's, you know, that acts as our current beer menu, um, did it in like a day. Still don't understand how you did that, but, um, and, uh, you know, my dad and I spent about 24 total man hours, you know, rebuilding our bar. Um, we took all the ceiling tiles down. So every, it was a group effort, um, a bit of a blur. Um, and then just opening the, the doors that day, we had to line up the door. Um, and it was, it was just wild. You know, it's just one of those moments that you think about kind of, it, you know, more or less for, eight years, you know, while you're mm -hmm. being a home brewer and then all of a sudden you see these people and it's, it's kind of a, almost a denial factor where you're like, I don't believe that these people are here drinking my beer, you know, it's, <laughs> and I still don't, I still get that feeling when I walk out there, I'm like, you know, I see people enjoying themselves at our, at our tap room and it's hard to believe that it's beer that I, that I make for them. So um, really cool feeling. And, and as Joe mentioned, you know, we celebrated year one and we were, you know, in high spirits we're feeling like we had you know some really good momentum going into year two and then uh 10 days later it's uh 
quick shutdown. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, tough, you know, tough year. But um, I think uh, and I don't, I don't want to speak for everybody, but uh, you know, I'm certainly feeling very optimistic about uh, the springtime and the, the changes that are coming. Hopefully for for mm-hmm. everybody for the best um, with the end of these, you know, quarantine and COVID, you know, on, on the horizon. So um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. <laughs> you'll, you'll have another celebratory relaunch, rebirth when it when it's all said and done. Um, I mean, my first question is, is do you get drunk at the launch party or is there like a moment afterwards or you're like, okay, I've been just like waiting this in. I got to like crush a couple of my own beers. Like how does that? <laughs> well, well, for me, I mean, celebrating our last anniversary just a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I was so busy talking to people and trying to help out. And all of a sudden I'm like, why don't I just take a breath and crack a beer? <laughs> like, yeah. like I, what am I doing with my hands? You know, just uh-huh. talking to people, trying to, you know, help out. And then like, you should enjoy the fruits of your labor a little bit. It's hard to do because you're just so focused on, you know, looking at everything and mm-hmm. it's still a lot to take in. So, um, so I, I did, I did end up cracking a beer at the, at the party, but I, I drink more after the, the Fair. Okay, That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit like about at the launch of, of the, the brand really and talk, I want to hear more about the, like how you built the brand itself, but at that first kind of inception of the brand, were there certain beers that you had developed that you were like, this is our set menu. This is what we're going to launch with these two, these five, these 10, like, how did you start to plan from a brewing perspective, that menu of what was going to be like your, you know, your coming out party? Yeah. Um, so we, Dave and I took several recipes that we had built um, as home brewers and we started to scale them and develop them. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to brew ahead of our opening. Um, so we had, we had a little bit of wiggle room there to try to perfect, you know, some recipes if we needed to. But um, so to be honest, it was thinking stylistically, we, we wanted to represent um, ourselves as, you know, like that, that home brewing mantra that we had lived by, which mm-hmm. is like variety, um, some unique, uh, you know, distinct type of beers that, you know, you can't get at, at, at any place um, necessarily. So we wanted a well-rounded menu that reflected our homebrewing roots. Um, and so we, we kind of started with that in mind that, you know, we were going to start day one by being true to that inspiration. Um, and, uh, you know, to be honest, I think pretty much all the beers that I made, um, we ended up putting on draft. I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, that I, that I didn't, you didn't hold any uh, back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think part of that was certainly, uh, thinking about the cost, uh, that we had put into them, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't unhappy with, with any mm. of them. Um, and to this day, you know, I, I prefer to be extra careful in my planning, um, and my execution of the brews versus, uh, you know, regret it later by putting a beer out that, that wasn't good. So mm-hmm. I spend my time ahead of time, <laughs> so to speak, but yeah. Fair. And you, you yeah, mentioned, You've, oh, you've, sorry. I was going to say there was a bunch ahead, of um, there was a bunch of their home brewing classics that they had done many times home brewing that have been a, a pretty regular part of the rotation. Um, but our tap tap list is always changing up, so we've got some staples that are pretty frequent um, on on the menu. But um, but it does tend to change up a lot, which I think is nice because every time someone comes in, they can they can basically try a new beer. Um, you know, put out a new beer probably um every every week or two on average um and um yeah so it's uh so it's cool to to have that variety and then also within the within the menu it's not just like eight different ipas that we have on tap we usually have a, i don't know two 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 to four ipas probably maybe a, a lager some darker beers maybe a sour or something a little more experimental so mm-hmm. try and get pretty nice variety of, of styles on the menu that's cool and yeah. Is there, is there anything like at this point, you guys are two years in now that it has become sort of like a Tilton Brothers staple? Like this is, you know, people come to you knowing they want to get this beer and they always come and get the same beer. Is that, has that started to develop yet? I mean, I, from my perspective, I, I think that we kind of have these subsets of styles that people seek out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think we, we have really like a flagship or uh, oh, you've got to try this one beer by Tilted Brothers. And mm-hmm. um, although that that would be nice, I, I actually do like the fact that people could come in and you know, work within the sub style and find something that they might like. Like if they like our sours, they've got, you know, a few options that, that mm-hmm. they know might be as good as the last one that they tried. Um, you know, we are definitely still developing our kind of, uh, I wouldn't call them flagships, but our regular beers um, as we go. And I think it's kind of a natural 
you know, fluid kind of way to, uh, to figure out what are going to stay around or, or more or less be, be available regularly. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's never been that type of place. Um, But who knows? I mean, we might be developing more of those staples as we go. Mm -hmm. Got it. And you've, you've alluded to a few things. I feel like that speak to some of the essence of the brand from the variety seeking to the keeping your sort of craft homebrewing roots as you developed the brand itself, like what were some of the other things that you wanted the, the brand to stand for and, and how did that come across in the, you know, communications that you're putting out in the look of the space, in the logo design, like all those different things are part of of this brand that you've created. Um, So what are some of those other elements that, that started to come together for the brand? Well, um, you know, I, I have to give some credit to, to my brother, Davis. He certainly has a good eye for aesthetics um, and, uh, and brand and marketing and that kind of thing. Um, I cer- certainly has been a group effort for all of us. But, um, you know, we, we kind of started with that same mentality as homebrewers. Like we're making beer for friends, family and friends that we don't know yet. Um, and we, we really wanted to come into it by being very approachable um, for all types of beer drinkers, not just like your hardcore craft beer drinkers, but people that might be new to craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you certainly don't want to, uh, you know, appear pretentious. Um, we're really just making beer to have good times with. Um, and you know, that's not to say we don't, we don't care about quality. Um, cause we, we really do take it seriously, but, um, our brand is, is really meant to reflect that kind of like low key, uh, you know, irreverent vibe. Um, you know, we're certainly, uh, we've got some humor, but it's a little bit more low key, a little dry um, in our names and, and our design and whatnot. Um, so a lot of a lot of jokes, sometimes some nonsense names, but uh, it's always a good opportunity to tell a story or let people interpret, you know, as they will. Um, so that's kind of the mindset that we have with our with our brand. Um, and then that is reflected in the space, too. It's very clean, uh, open. We have got an awesome mural that our uh, a f- artist friend did for us right as you walk in and it's very, uh, it's very welcoming in there. It's open, it's clean and, and uh, has a nice like splash of color. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're trying to make people feel comfortable when they come right in and, and feel at home. Got it. What was, what is the process like of naming a beer? Like where, how does that, where does that, where do you even begin on something like that? <laughs> it's a, uh, I'll be honest, it's a difficult thing. I mean, we, you know, you, you think of a great name and then you go and you see that there's already 12 beers that are named that, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, brewers tend to think alike sometimes. Um, and, and people like brewers tend to be funny people. Um, and they're always thinking about, you know, funny pop culture references and whatnot. So mm-hmm. we've had to name some beers that are just total random, um, you know, not necessarily spontaneous, but, uh, you know, that have some, some funny inside joke connections that, you know, we then share uh, the stories with our regulars and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're all sorts of inspiration. We don't really have a singular theme uh, in naming our beers. You know, we're not strictly naming them after nature or, or like local attractions or anything like that. Um, we have a, a variety, but uh, every, every beer has its own kind of feeling and art, um, mm-hmm. at least the ones that we put out into cans. Um, I have an example right here, actually, is a uh, we just canned this one today. So it's called Almost Mansions. Okay. Um, this is one of our uh, New England IPAs. Uh, and it's it's made with New Zealand hops and some West Coast style hops as well. And it's an inside joke. It came came out of a funny conversation about uh, experiencing a house party at what someone called an almost mansion. And we just thought it was a funny term. <laughs> so we, we figured like, oh, this beer is almost a full, uh, full, you know, rich New England IPA. It's almost a mansion, but it's like, it's a little bit drinkable too. So that's kind of the, that's that. kind of the background, <laughs> but that's just one example. Um, uh, you know, of, of like does the, does the liquid come first or does the name come first? Is it usually like you'll develop a, a sour or something and then you're like, oh, we got to figure out a name for this sour. Like, or is the name you brew a beer to fit the name? That's a good, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think it really, it, it's, it matters. I mean, it's, uh, it varies sometimes. Um, sometimes it's named first and then design a beer around the inspiration of the name. And then other times it's reversed, you know, we're like, Oh, this ingredient would be awesome. Like, let's make a, let's make a lime agave sour that tastes, you know, almost like a margarita. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's like, what do we call that? Um, so we called that or a happy hour. Um, and, uh, that's, so it, that was kind of an example of like, 
beer design first name later um so yeah a little bit of both (laughs) there's a a couple that we kind of came up with a name first and just like a idea for what the beer should be and then and then ben came up with the recipe afterwards so we do a um a hampton beach pale ale which is like a pretty drinkable kind of like a craft um craft version of like a really nice drinkable summery pale ale Mm -hmm. um and so that was an example where we came up with the um, the name first, and then the uh, and then the beer later. We also do a Seacoast Summer Ale, which is kind of the same 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 thought, where it's like a Seacoast of New Hampshire Summer Ale, um, and that's one where we came up with the name, and then and then Ben put together a really good recipe for it. Got it. And is it still the three of you guys, you know, kind of doing everything or have you now branched out the team further where you've, you've hired folks or you bring in freelancers to do can design or like who is, who is handling all of the the different elements of the business, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, so Ben's basically our only full-time employee. So Dave and I still have day jobs. Um, and then we've got a couple, um, couple guys that do kind of like bartending for us. Um, one of them also does some external sales and distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just recently hired, um, Ashley as our full-time chef to run the, the whole food program. So kind of stepped up our food game in the last few weeks. Um, we were doing, we were doing food since we opened. Um, but she's really taking it to the next level where we have an awesome food menu, like really, really good stuff. Um, and, and a little bit more of like a full, full service food type experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, we also have a, another person who helps, um, helps Ben out on the brewing side. So we've got, um, yes, yeah, so we've got a, a few people on staff now, which is pretty cool to um, grow the team and create some jobs and all that good stuff. That's awesome. Was the food element something that was COVID driven that you guys, you know, I know that was like a big part. I, I work in the alcohol industry and was like, okay, we gotta, you gotta have food in order to serve beer. And it sounds like you guys were doing it from the start, but was that, something that you guys are like, Oh, we really need to like up the food game here a little bit more. Yeah. So one of the rules in New Hampshire is to serve, um, pure, a pure nano brewery, which is where we are classified based on our production. You can serve four ounce samples if you don't have food. Um, but to serve full pints of beer, which we definitely want to do as a destination tap room where people mm-hmm. can hang out for a while, um, to serve full pints of beer, you have to have, uh, a food menu so we from day one had like grilled cheeses and meat and cheese boards and stuff like that like all really good stuff um but not like not necessarily the type of stuff that people like go far out of their way to go and we'll have like a right more of like a meal type thing so um so we um so we wanted to to step our food game up and have have the tapper be a place where a little more of like a food destination for people um and then you know selfishly when people um hang out eat when people order food, they hang out longer, maybe mm-hmm. order another couple of years, bigger average check size, all that stuff that you want from a business perspective. Got it. That's cool. And from a beer standpoint, are you guys specifically just selling on location or have you started to get into the distribution game where you're, you're selling in grocery stores or liquor stores or whatever it might be? How have you started to build out that, that piece of things or have you? We have, yeah. So we actually started distributing pretty much right out of the gate. Um, it started off with more um, keg distribution to bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say our more of our distribution now is is cans. Um, so we've also started canning pretty soon after we opened our doors, um, and we were working with the third party canning company that comes in and cans basically like once a month. Um, then we recently got our own canning line um, a couple months ago. So we've been able to really increase our can production um, and also lowers costs and gives us a lot more flexibility with our schedule. Mm-hmm. So now that we're canning ourselves, we have a lot more output that we can distribute. So we're doing a lot of can distribution now, um, not so much to grocery stores, um, but a lot of like craft beer stores, um, a lot of the, the names that you know around here. Um, and we are self-distributing. So, um, so we don't work with a, with a third party distributor, um, at least at the moment. Um, and, um, yeah, it's only, only in New Hampshire. We haven't crossed any state lines yet, but yeah, we're all the way up to Meredith and over to Nashua, London Dairy, uh, in Tilton, which is fun now to sell Tilton mm-hmm. brothers in Tilton. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of spreading throughout the state of New Hampshire at this point. 
That's awesome. And as, as you guys have seen that sort of growth and, you know, putting in the can line or things like, you know, things like that, are you, is that still money from your initial investment or is it now you're sort of like reinvesting the money you're making back into the business? Like, how are you thinking about it from, from that standpoint? Yes. Um, little of both, um, more so, um, yeah. So with, um, with some of the COVID stuff, we were able to um, get some of the um, disaster funding from the government and that kind of mm. thing and had some more flexibility with PPP loans and stuff like that. So um, we were able to, um, with some of the excess cash flow that, that resulted from some of those programs, we were able to um, do the canning line and some other expansion. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're thinking about doing some more um, expansion in the near future that probably is significant to the point where we might raise some, some additional capital. Um, but yeah, we haven't, haven't raised any additional investor funds since, um, mm. since, since the beginning. And when you guys think about expansion, are you looking at like, and you might not have an answer to this, I don't know, but is there like, are you looking at it of like, oh, we want to open up a second location? Is it, we want to start distributing in Massachusetts and Maine? Like how, do, how does it work with thinking about growing this? And is the goal to really you know, like scale it as much as you can? Or is it like, you know, we, like how have you guys started to think about, you know, a couple of years in now of, of growing and scaling the business? Yeah, so our first priority is um, produce as much beer as we can from the one location that we have now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, um, I'm in our, our upstairs right now and I know it's a podcast, so everyone can't see it, but, um, but there's a lot of space here. Um, so there's definitely an opportunity to, to increase our production and, and, um, add some tanks up here and that sort of thing. Um, but we also want to upgrade our, our brewing system. Um, and then also add a few more tanks in our, into our current brew house, um, really just to continue to, to grow our production capacity and, um, and really just meet demand. There's a lot of demand for our beer out there in the world. Um, not, not just in the tap room, but also through distribution. Um, so yeah, we want to do that. Um, you know, we're not really trying to like take over the world and like become like the biggest brewery in the world. I think we want to continue to make really good beer, continue to create some jobs, continue to have a lot of fun with it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We haven't, haven't really talked about a second location at this point, but I think, uh, you know, anything's certainly anything's possible in the, in the next handful of years. I I always like to ask people who are doing full-time jobs on the side, like, do you sleep at all? How, how do you, uh, how do you operate a a brewery from still having another job? Well, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay with it now. My wife's eight and a half months pregnant. So check back in a month. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to the point of expansion. And, and again, I don't know if you have an answer to this or not, but like, is the goal for you, Joe, at some point to, to get to a place where you're like, you know, you can commit to it full time or do you, do you like kind of having it as a, a balance of, of working, you know, your, your kind of day-to-day job and then having this as like a, a creative outlet? Um, for me, it's more of the, of the second one. I like, how, I like my job. So I don't know if I'd ever, fully move on from that. Um, but I definitely like having this as like part, part of where I spend my time and how I, how I allocate my energy basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, um, yeah, I think, I think having both is pretty cool. My, my normal or my, you know, my day job is, is a lot of time sitting at a desk. So it's nice to have a little more interactive type of job and a little more creative and, um, yeah, just kind of a different, different type of environment. Which is yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, Ben, a question that I have for you and from the, from the brewing standpoint, like how do you start to map out, you know, what your plans are for what's coming next? Is it a lot of experimentation of like, oh, you know what I want to try is this, or is it collaborations that inspire you? Or like, do you know what the next 12 months of beer making are going to look like? Like, how do you start to map out? You guys are, I think you said you were doing a beer, like a new beer every couple of weeks. So yeah. how do you even begin to approach that kind of like innovation cycle? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've had to train myself pretty well to, to start mapping things out, like you mentioned, um, ahead of time, because 
my time is really valuable and it's, it's difficult, um, to just kind of wing it, <laughs> uh, you know, year one, it was one thing, but now as we've started to grow and produce more, it's, it's all the more valuable to, to plan it out. Um, but insofar as how I do that, um, you know, a lot of it is, is kind of going back to this core list and it's not, you know, just eight beers. It might be like 20 that we've made that, seem to be appreciated by our customers. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to like bring things back. Like we do rotate all the time, but it's nice to kind of bring back something that maybe somebody hasn't had in a month or two. Um, and then, you know, we're trying to, to create new beers as we go. So it's a little bit of that like recurring beer and then, um, you know, mixing some new stuff in. And those new beers, uh, I think a lot of it is just, uh, I look at it maybe two ways, uh, you know, styles that I maybe haven't made yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like I've been saying, like that home brewer kind of desire to, to make all types of beer, <laughs> which is like, we come by it honestly. And, you know, I haven't even made like a Bach beer yet. And that's something mm-hmm. that I want to get on the, on the menu, for example. Um, and then the other side of it is, uh, just kind of innovation and experimenting. Um, you know, like the mad chemist in me is like, let's try some hops that are, are really interesting. Maybe they're from New Zealand or Australia or a new strain that's grown out West. And, you know, let's incorporate those into a beer and, and what, you know, what kind of beer do I want to create? Um, so yeah, that's certainly like, it's, it's a fun part of, of all of it. It's stressful mm-hmm. because like I said, I'm not making a pilot batch of any of this. It's, it's <laughs> So I better do it right the first time. Um, yeah. Is there like is, a minimum, is, is there like a minimum quantity that you can make with like one new recipe? Yeah. We're talking like, like three, you know, 90 something gallons of beers is our minimum. So for some people that is a small amount for some larger breweries. So our, our pilot system, you know, so to speak is, is the size of our brew house. Um, You know, I hope someday that we will be able to kind of have a smaller experimental brew house, like a one barrel system, but Mm -hmm. we don't have the space and and I certainly just don't have the time to, uh, to do it. So (laughs) right now it's kind of all, all or nothing. It's It's a measure twice cut once type of operation. Right, right, right. So it's all the more important for planning. But um, no, I mean, I get inspired a lot by other breweries. Um, you know, I certainly, I, I, I don't like to copy. Um, but I but I think that any brewer, you know, realizes that there's, you know, always kind of like a give and take and um, inspiration just happens. There's so many great breweries doing cool things with cool ingredients. Um, and, you know, discovering new products and, and being able to test them out. It's um that's the fun part of, of brewing, um, mm-hmm. which represents this, this very small amount. <laughs> um, it's mostly cleaning, but uh, the, uh, no, the reality is that's, that's, that is the fun part. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of like what, what strikes my fancy and what, what's uh, new and interesting. Uh, for example, I'm brewing a, you know, a New Zealand inspired IPA soon that I'm going to use like Southern hemisphere hops in. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't used a lot of them, but they became available to us and, you know, I want to test it out and really like make a beer that lets them showcase how unique those hops can be. So that's one example, just something simple, but, uh, you know, a cool opportunity. You're, you're beautifully teeing me up for my next question, but, uh, <laughs> like, wh- how do you guys go about sourcing ingredients? Cause you know, making beer is not something that's simple and there's, you know, ingredients that you do source from all over the world. Um, so how have you guys approached that? And are there specific vendors that you started to build relationships with? Um, you know, are you flying out to New Zealand a couple times a year to like, you know, pick your own hops at this point? I, 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 I like that idea. I think yeah. we should start doing that. Uh, yeah. No, Is that I in the budget? That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not yet, but we'll see. Uh, no, that's okay. a, it's a great thing. I mean, we, we haven't really been able to travel too much, um, you know, in that, in that regard, but, mm-hmm. um, someday I hope, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, I, I use probably some of the same vendors as our neighbors do, um, you know, some, some great, uh, you know, vendors like, uh, Brewer Supply Group, um, Country Malt, um, that have warehouses all over the place, but they, they really do the job of sourcing, uh, ingredients, malt tops and, and everything from all over the world. So, you know, it's easy, you know, the, the craft, the average craft brewer has all these things at their fingertips. I mean, I was able to order Irish malt, um, direct from Ireland, you know, through, through this, this company for our Irish red that I just made and released yesterday for St. Patty's day. So, you know, I, I can imagine, yeah, Joe's got one right there. <laughs> um, I, I can imagine that years ago that these things weren't so easy, um, you know, but like craft beer has really created that 
that demand. And, you know, so some people have been able to build businesses around that desire to test out, um, you know, all these, all these products from all, all over the world. We use German malts, English malts, uh, hops from New Zealand, Australia, um, a lot from the U.S. out west in the Yakima Valley area. Um, South Africa. South Africa. Like, it really is. It's crazy when you think of, you know, the sources of some of these things. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really inspiring. Um, and you don't often think about it until, you know, you're actually tasting the beer because <laughs> yeah. you're just trying to get that beer, you know, in the tank and, and you know, get it solid. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, yeah, this, this beer is made with hops from South Africa. You know, it's, it's pretty wild. All the pieces right? that go into it. Yeah. 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 We, we have done some locally sourced stuff too. So we've done some yeah. hops from Maine that, um, that some of the, some of the team was able to go up and help harvest. We did a, um, a blueberry, um, beer with, um, blueberries that we all picked from, um, at, over at Emory farm over in, um, in, uh, Durham. So doing some of that stuff, mixing in some local ingredients with, um, with stuff that's sourced from all over the world is kind of a cool, cool thing to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, is like, is there, is there anything from a collaboration standpoint that you guys have, I mean, I've seen some just within your, you know, even looking on your Instagram and stuff, there's a couple like collaboration beers that you've worked on or partnership things that you've, you've kind of dabbled in. How have you started to think about that again, as you've grown and, and, you know, protecting your brand, but also like reaching out and, and interacting with the community. I saw you guys just did a, a Seacoast United brand, a Seacoast United beer, which I, I love. I was a Seacoast United guy growing up. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm curious how you think about that, like collaborative process in, in beer making and, and what your, what your kind of plans are for that. Well, yeah. I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead are you sure? All right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, we've taken, you know, the three of us have kind of taken it um, from the beginning and, and uh, you know, we look at it like a great opportunity to, to get our brand out there, but you know, we're not being selfish about it. I think, it's a really cool thing to get excited about, you know, sharing something like that with another uh, group of people. So we've done collabs, like you had mentioned, uh, Seacoast United is one of the most recent ones, but, you know, as well as like partners of ours in the, in the uh, restaurant and bar industry, you know, we did a really cool coffee beer with book and bar in Portsmouth. Um, you know, we're not afraid if it, if it makes sense for, for us and for, uh, you know, one of our partners to do a collab, it's like, why not do it? Um, I always think about this, like someday, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we won't be able to have the flexibility that we do right now. Um, you know, I don't want to say that I don't want those days necessarily right now, but uh, it's nice to have the flexibility to, to make a beer on a whim and say, mm -hmm. hey, let's make a beer together. Like you guys are great to us. Uh, you're selling our beer. You know, we appreciate you. And, you know, let's let's do something together. Um, and like Joe had mentioned, like local ingredients, that's a great opportunity to do that um, and to get other people's name out there. Because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we really started this as like we wanted to be like the neighborhood brewery. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we didn't just set up shop just to just to make money like we're here to to uh, to become part of the community uh, and reach out in, in those ways. So um, it's just a cool way to, to do it. I'm OK, I'm going to ask you both. You guys both get to answer here. There's there's no restrictions here. You're not limited to the seacoast of New Hampshire. You can go anywhere in the world. You get to collaborate with, it could be a, a human being. It could be another brand. It could be a, 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 a team. I have no idea. It could be anything. You get to collaborate on a beer with somebody or some entity. <laughs> Who are you collaborating with? Ben, we'll start with you and then go to Joe. Oh man, that's a good question. Wow. Um, I, there's a lot that I could name. Um, I think it would be uh, really neat to go and explore like the Japanese brewing culture and distilling culture and uh, and just kind of like experience that firsthand. I have a lot of respect for like Japanese whiskeys and uh, lately it's kind of my, my uh, side side drink. <laughs> oh, okay. um, and I think it would be really cool to see those processes and potentially like put some beer into Japanese whiskey barrels and just, you know, I, I think part of it too, like my answer definitely reflects how badly I just want to get out of my own house and mm -hmm. oh, as far, far away <laughs> as that far I can away imagine. Can. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so like, let's go make like a, a, you know, and Lord of the Rings beer in New Zealand too, like while we're at it. Um, that sounds fantastic, uh, which is actually ironically a beer that I'm making soon. Like I had mentioned, um, I'm not gonna be able to go to New Zealand for it, but 
I'll be there in my we mind. Can pretend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that. We'll get a little, maybe a, a sake beer in the, in the, in the yeah. future. Yeah. It sounds really good. I like that. Okay. Joe, what, what about you? Uh, well, if I could just collaborate with anyone anywhere on a beer, I might just say like, it'd be fun to make a beer with Gronk, but, um, <laughs> within the within the within the brewing world um i went to this brewery in iceland called the brothers brewing they're on like a tiny little island off the coast of iceland and of course because it's uh it's the times that we live in which is a really cool time to be alive there's a little tiny brewery there um and they just had a really cool setup um and i think similar to to ben's answer it'd be really cool to just travel and and to go back there and and partner with them um and uh and and do a do a collaboration with them i think um and they're a similar size as us they're they're pretty small in the scheme of things but i think randomly ben and dave actually had a chance to meet them at a at a beer event one time so like there's been a couple couple crossovers with them um so i think it would be uh be really fun to uh do something with those guys all right we'll clip we'll clip this video we'll send it to brothers brewing in iceland and we'll get a get a collab going i was gonna say i gotta make sure to throw that in and yeah uh, (laughs) send a message to them that we're ready to go we'll get that all right i I don't want to i don't want to take up too much of your guys time i just have a couple a couple other questions for you um but in the in the sake of sourcing ingredients you know you never exactly know what is going to come out on the other side like Ben, is there, has there been a beer that has, has just come out and you're like, this is disgusting. I assume over <laughs> the years there are, but like recently, have there been any just flops? That you're like, we can't, we, I can't say this. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think to date, um, you know, knock on wood, but I, I've only had two dumps uh, of beers that I've made. Um, and, you know, both were just unfortunate that, that, you know, just kind of like, unsanitary something must have got into the beer and infected it it just happens but uh so i'm not gonna blame myself too hard on that one but um there's been a couple beers that i like to tell people i'll probably never make again mm-hmm. <laughs> i won't name names but um you know i've, I've moved on from them and just like let le- you know look at it like a learning moment and uh but there's very it's very rare that i have something in the tank that go that i go we're not serving this yeah okay <laughs> since, you know and that so since year one anyway uh it's been mostly you know, like I, I always tell people too, like I'm constantly tweaking our recipes. Um, I, I like to think that when I release that beer, it's it's definitely good enough that meets our quality and our standards. But, um, you know, I'm never happy with with a beer because I'm just my worst critic. So mm-hmm. so I look at it and I'm like, what can I do to make this even better? Um, and people will tell me like, oh, this beer is amazing or, you know, though it's really good. It's, you know, you hit this and this and and I'll just be like, okay, thank you. And in my head, I'm like, no, it's not, it's not that. Yeah. It's just my nature. <laughs> I think, I think the fact that we've only had to dump two batches in two and a half years of brewing or whatever, it says a lot about Ben's um, planning and his meticulous cleaning and, um, and just creating really high quality product. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I think a, a trip to Japan is warranted because they have the the art of Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. You definitely, definitely practice that with your, with your brewing. And I think we've made, I don't know, what are we up to now? Is it, is it 50 different styles that we've put out since we opened? It's probably in, in that neighborhood. Yeah, Possibly up to almost 60 now. Yeah. I think, um, I think yeah. Ben told me the other day that there's like three recipes that he's happy with. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, then I'll leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> So he's always, always uh, tweaking things and, and improving things, which is, which is fun. I, I, like how Ben over the years, obviously, like you started, you know, home brewing, but you've now scaled it up and you've, you've built it even, you know, to the point where you're making 60 beers in two years, like that's insane. But how do you learn how to go and make a beer? Like you mentioned, you're like, I want to make a Bach and you've never made a Bach. Like how, where does, where does one start to be like, Hey, this is what I need to do to make a Bach. I know. Yeah. It's a, it is, it seems really daunting. Um, as you know, like as a home brewer, it was reading a lot of books, um, as much as I could get information wise, um, you know, the internet is a big place and there's lots of information out there as far as, um, just kind of like baseline of a style. You know, if you think of like a brown ale, um, or something like that. That's, um, just kind of a classic, uh, you know, not say run of the mill because the brown ales can be amazing, but mm-hmm. you know, there are kind of templates, uh, for, for styles. Um, and you know, they're there for a reason. Um, 
So I, I like to look at it like that's a template for me to work off of. Um, so if I'm trying to be extremely to the, to the style, like I want to make a, a copy of an English, you know, Burton IPA that might include, you know, several different elements that I need to hit dead on. Um, but mostly I start there and then I, you know, I adjust and, and think about what would I like to be, you know, my kind of signature on that style. So like maybe my brown ale has a little bit more of a coffee character to it. Mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, so it's not going to be mind-blowingly different than your average brown, but it might stand out from another brown ale. Um, so, you know, in that, on that note, it's, it's really about, you know, learning like the baselines um, and, and educating yourself on those and then working within these rules. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes that there isn't rules, you know, sometimes there are styles that are just total experiments, but um, you know, I, I typically start with most of my beers with that kind of template and mindset. Got it. Okay. And for the, for the listeners at home who maybe don't understand the beer making process, like what does it look like from start to finish and how long does it take to create a beer? It's not like you're like hopping in the kitchen one day and like mixing a couple things up and you've got a beer, like tell, sure. tell a little bit, just a little, a little brewing one-on-one of like how long it takes from first step to, you know, pouring a beer on the draft. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, a typical brew day. I maybe should have started with this, by the way, that should have been maybe <laughs> like an earlier question, but you know, here we go. <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Um, you know, so a, a brew day is, is really, you know, for us, it's about nine, nine hours, a little bit more than nine hours from start to finish. Um, and that beer, once it's in the tank, will will probably be in that tank for at least two weeks. Um, until it's completely ready. So the average ale um, that we ferment is typically done in, in about 15 or 17 days. Um, lagers that we do a little bit less frequently, um, and they take a little bit longer, uh, but usually about uh, three weeks to, uh, you know, 20, maybe 25 days. Um, but yeah, I mean, they essentially you're creating a, a, a liquid that's uh, full of sugar. It's basically yeast food. Um, and you, you do that by making a mash with different grains. Um, what those grains are kind of depends on the style you're going for. Uh, if you're making a Pilsner, it's probably going to be mostly very light Pilsen malt, nothing too fancy. If you're making a big chocolatey stout, it might be seven, eight, nine different grain types that create the, the intense layers of flavor that you want and color that you want. So it really does vary by, by the style. Um, so you mash that for like 60 minutes with hot water and you create that wort. Um, and then what you do is you boil it. Um, and again, the variance in time depends on the style. Um, but that's when you're adding hops, other flavors, um, and whatnot. And then you're basically after the boil's done, you're crashing that, that hot, uh, sugar water, essentially mm -hmm. as, as quickly as you can down to temperature where a yeast can get pitched into it. So you're, you're knocking that, that liquid out into a tank. Um, now that, that liquid is now cool enough for a, a yeast to go in and survive the pitch and then get happy and you leave it alone. You're basically mm -hmm. making, like I said, yeast food so that that yeast can then eat the, eat the sugar that you've provided, um, and convert it into ethanol and, uh, and carbon dioxide, which comes out of the beer at that point. Um, and, uh, you're left with a, hopefully a delicious beverage, um, about, you know, two weeks later. Um, at that point we're, uh, we're, you know, carbonating, um, you know, late, late after fermentation is done and the yeast gets dropped out, mm -hmm. um, you're carbonating the beer because that is, you know, for, for most, uh, styles of beer, it's a common thing you want, you want to have that, um, that flavor and that, that, you know, mouthfeel, um, in a beer, you want that carbonation. Um, and then, yeah, you're packaging it, however you package, whether it's in a can or a keg and you're pouring it on draft and hopefully people love it. Okay. <laughs> so that's the quick, that's like the quickest that's version. That's the down and dirty. <laughs> Anybody who's listening can go yeah. and start brewing their own beer now. <laughs> yeah. But there's obviously a lot of formulation in the recipes like that, that, you know, I left out, but mm -hmm. um, you know, that's all the pre-planning stuff, but the day of brewing it's, it all kind of follows a, a rough formula as far as times and temperatures and, and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of variables though. Like when do you add the hops? How much do you add, add in for which type of hops at like which point during the boil, then after the boil and all that stuff to, um, there's just a lot of different, a lot of different ways to tweak it, which, um, which Ben loves to play with to, to perfect things. Mm -hmm. And as we're seeing all of these like 
changes in the world of alcohol with seltzers kind of having their moment in the sun with canned cocktails, I feel like are like becoming a huge thing. You know, there's, there's all these different like innovation spaces. Are you guys thinking about evolving beyond just beer? Um, or are you guys, you know, you guys are a brewery and you make beer. You know, how are you, how are you kind of thinking about that? I mean, I, I wouldn't say no to exploring some avenues there. I mean, if it's, uh, you know, something that would work for us, you know, I wouldn't say no. Um, I do love making beer, but doesn't mean uh, we couldn't, you know, explore some of that stuff. Um, I, I, I see it as a valid, uh, you know, creative exploration uh, mm -hmm. for sure. If it makes sense for our business. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, until, until we're making more beer than, than people want to drink, I think <laughs> probably not like in too much of a rush. And I don't know beer has been around for a few thousand years. So I feel like it's probably going to, it's not going anywhere, not go anywhere yeah. too quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Okay. My last question for you guys um, is you can have, you can have one of your Tilton brother beers with any, anybody living or dead. Who are you, who are you having your, your beer with? And you can't say each other cause that's not fair, but <laughs> who, are you, who are you picking? Oh man. Good question. Um, so we, we in the Tilton family history, we have some characters, so I'm going to choose, uh, our, our great, great uncle, um, who was a notorious rum runner, Frank Butler, uh, off the coast of Massachusetts. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I'd be scared shitless because he was a notorious <laughs> character, but with family. So I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, but he's kind of the inspiration of some of our beers. Um, and he was like a larger than life type of character. Um, and I would just love to hear the stories that he could tell um, about his times out in the high seas, uh, you know, running rum and other liquors from the Caribbean out into New York and Long Island and stuff like that. It would just be very cool to hear. <laughs> so that's my choice. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and Joe, who do you got? Um, I'd have to go with uh, with my grandfather, who's my, my mom's dad, who I never got a chance to meet. So it'd be really cool to just belly up to the bar and have a beer with them. Okay. I love that. And so if, if people want to get your beers, if people want to come check you guys out, where is the best place on the internet and in real life to come for the listeners of this show to, to come and find you guys? Uh, on, in, in the virtual world, uh, yeah, TiltonBrothersBrewing.com or uh, on Facebook or Instagram. And then we're located at 845 Lafayette Road in Hampton. And then we're on tap at uh, a lot of places throughout the seacoast and you can find our cans at a lot of craft beer stores throughout New Hampshire. is a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different. I don't care what time it is, 9 a.m., 6 p.m., midnight, whenever you're listening to this, you should be going out and cracking a beer right now. That's all I want to do, specifically a Tilton Brothers beer, but whatever you got in the fridge. Thank you to Ben and Joe for taking the time and sitting down with me to explain all of the nuances of starting a brewery. I know I, I know I asked it on the, at the top of the show, but I feel like every, any person who has ever drank a beer in their life has at some point or another been like, you know what? It would be a, that would be an awesome idea. We should start a brewery. I should, I should start a bar and very, very, very few succeed. And I love what these guys are doing. And after two years in business, it seems like things are only getting bigger and brighter for them. And I'm so excited one to try their beers haven't had a chance to taste them yet, but two, to see where they take this thing and how it continues to, to grow and, and blossom uh, into an awesome, awesome brewery. So thank you, Ben and Joe, for joining me on this week's show. That was pretty, that was pretty nice. I just rhymed awesome and blossom and Joe and show. So, oh, wow. I need to shut up. This is getting weird. Anyways, that's all I got on this week's episode. We'll be back again next week, next Wednesday, with another episode of Destination Different. Before I jump into my final close, if you're not already following Destination Different on Instagram or TikTok, 
please, please, please go throw a follow right now. That's it. Now I promise we are done. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday, with another episode. Until then, stay weird. in love for just a couple hours I can't tell the difference between what's fake and what's been missing often I'm misunderstood so I'm looking for a better me this is your love song baby I hope that you know the words